All right, what if there was someone who wanted to help you find a job? Choose Express Employment Professionals, and that is exactly what you're going to get. They can help you find work in any industry. With just one interview at Express, you have a connection to endless jobs. Whether you want a contract job, a new full-time role, or a summer job, choose Express Employment Professionals. Express has more than 860 locally owned locations and no fees for job seekers. Visit ExpressPros.com today to find a location near you. Summer is upon us, and whatever you have going on, a vacation, a staycation, a summer wedding, well, Macy's has you covered. If you need summer dresses, matching sets, volume sleeve tops, wedges, straw-crafted bags, I mean, really, they have what you need head to toe. I'm talking Levi's, Dolce Vita, Lacoste, and more. So shop summer must-haves at Macy's. Go to Macy's.com slash style. Again, that's Macy's.com slash style. All summer, the best time of the year usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there was another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. At IKEA, everyone can have lounge chair access. No reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, They have all of the essentials that you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. In every pair of Tacova's boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. Tacova's boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they're going to last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tacova store where you're going to be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. So come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro and shop the latest styles. Visit tacovas.com. That's T E C O V A S.com and don't go gently y'all. Okay, hey guys. So I already recorded an intro for what is going to go down on today's episode with Lisa from The Well Necessities. That's her Instagram handle at The Well Necessities. She was in town last week and we did this amazing interview with a therapist that specializes in disordered eating. So we were taping our new series that is coming out in April called Outweigh. It'll be live here on this podcast, but as we we're doing the interviews. We're like, whoa, this is so good. We should actually make it its own thing separate. And it can be like an introduction to, it'll introduce y'all to what, what the series is going to be like. So that's, that's today's thing. And then, so we just, we did an intro together, but that was last week before life really, really got weird. Like life is just very strange right now with COVID-19 and, you know, coronavirus, the whole thing which that's the same thing, by the way, but some people call it, you know, just in case you call it one thing, I'll I'll, I'll give it, I'll say both of its names. So I just want to encourage all of you that are, you know, trying to take this day by day, just like the rest of us, but we're all experiencing it differently. Like I know some of you have more anxiety than others. Some of you maybe are stressing, you have no idea where your next paycheck is going to come from. There's a lot of unknowns. We don't know how long we're going to be in this. And there's some of you that may be disconnected from loved ones. Like I personally can't see my dad and I may not get to for months. And that's really hard. Um, More so, but 
but, but my dad has a healthy perspective on it. So that that's makes me feel a lot better because I do worry about him. Now, while he's living in an assisted living home and, you know, had cancer, has, you know, he's immunocompromised. So I do worry about his safety and I can't be there to help control it. But he's confined to his little room apartment thingy. And I worry about him, you know, sinking into some sort of depression. But luckily, the people that work there are amazing and they're going in and checking on him. And I know he's at a great place, but I know some of you listening, you may not be able to have contact with a loved one uh, right now. And that's just for their safety. So we just have to know that this is just for a time. And while we don't know how long, um, we just need to do the best that we can to be responsible, um, to take care of ourselves and to take care of others. Now, there's so many there's elderly that are a concern. I think of that just because of my mom, but there's so many different people that need help right now. And, you know, here in Nashville, we're, we're only a few weeks out from the tornado that hit and we were trying to fundraise and figure out ways to help with that. And there are a few families that we're helping directly here in Nashville and, you know, the tornado thing totally set them back and they were homeless, but we've been able to, get them in apartments, but the the wives or the moms, well, one of them's a single mom, they had jobs at a restaurant. Well, now because of coronavirus, the restaurant has shut down and they don't have work. So it's just, it's like, God, for some people, it's just one blow after the next and it's really hard. And so if you just have different ways to support either the elderly in your community or people that you know are in the service industry or however, if you know of anybody whose job has been affected, like if you have a way to share something with them, even if it's just, you know, a text checking on them, something positive they can focus on. Uh, or you have actual goods in your house that might be of use to them, you can share that with them. Or monetarily, what does that look like for you? Everybody's resources are differently. You may have more to give than other people. Can you, you know, buy gift cards right now? Can you tip extra hard right now if you are getting takeout food from somewhere? Or you know someone was in the service industry. Can you Venmo some of your friends some money? Like, just don't even ask them about it. If you know, like, something might be hard, don't make it awkward and be like, hey, can I help you out? Like, if you have the extra money, you know, give it to them. Like, um, but I also understand wanting to be, you know, careful with your funds right now, not knowing maybe you have the funds right now, but how long are we in this? You also have to be responsible there. But I think that, you know, a good thing that is going to come out of this is we're already seeing people uniting um, as as a world. I mean, because this isn't just an, a national thing. This is a global thing. So that is what I'm hopeful for when I know it's hard to always look for the good. Um, but that's something that I hope when we come out on the other side of this, we are more united. We are stronger. And similar to what we were talking about when the tornado hit, it was really cool to see people rally together and support no matter gender, race, sexuality, religion. Um, it didn't matter. Like we were helping people. I was watching people help people. And that's what we have to continue to do. Um, some positive Instagram how, uh, accounts that have been helping me right now. One is called at Upworthy. And I learned about that from my girl, Kelly from Velvet's Edge, which, you know, she's a good friend of mine where her her job, she's not in the service industry, but she 
she's a freelancer. She books gigs. She does hair and makeup for uh, artists and like Bobby and she does styling Dirks Bentley, uh, other video shoots around town. Well, everything is halted. Like all of her gigs have been canceled. And so she's like, okay, how, how she's having to be resourceful. How can I get income? What can I do? So, um, she, I know she's going to be working a lot on her podcast, which we're on the same network. And plus she's just my friend. So I want to support her, but at velvet's edge, check out her stuff. She has, if you've got some shopping, you may be want to do while you're bored you can shop using some of her links which would help her but again you have to be wise with your money um she actually just had a financial advisor advisor on her podcast if you want to go listen to it and now's the time where we have to divide into our needs and our wants and i i had justified getting a pair of jeans from her like to know it which would help her even though it's not a it's definitely a want not a need but i also want to help my friend out. And I feel like as her friend, I need to do that. So therefore I justified buying the jeans. So, I mean, stuff like that, like we'll just all figure it out. And then of course, with the shop forward, there's a lot of items up right now that are going towards providing food for kids that their schools are shut down. And otherwise they wouldn't be getting that they get their meals at school. So without school, they're not getting food. So there's a lot of groups set up that are helping out those kids. And like Bobby and Mary put up a shirt called I Washed My Hands because Bobby is a kid that grew up. I mean, he got his meals at school. He grew up very poor and had to rely on that. So when he wasn't in school, he sometimes wasn't eating. So he knows what it's like. So those are some cool shirts that you can buy right now to support um, our Empowered Women's Fund. Like, oh, I think I'll circle back to some of the women that were helping here from the tornado relief. I need to still talk to Mary about this, but um, there's a single mom with a six-month-old baby that was you, you know, waitress, and Home Street Home is working with her because she was left homeless by the tornado to get her into uh, a home. And that that's a woman that we can empower with those shirts. So I think we may, uh, we have a em- women's empowerment fund from our shirts that say empowered women empower women and Stashira did the design work, my daughter, and those are really special and we'll be able to help people that are just really struggling right now. So if you have the extra funds to maybe go buy one of those t-shirts or, um, you know, grab a gift card to your favorite restaurant that might be shut down right now or your hair salon or something where they're not getting the regular income that they would be getting right now. It's with a gift card. It's kind of like you're floating them alone in a sense. And then you can use that down the line. And so that's just one way to consider. Okay, now I know I mentioned Upworthy. I know I'm all over the place, guys. I'm so sorry. But Upworthy is an account that I'm following on Instagram. And I'm also following good news underscore movement. That's another really great account where they're posting stuff from all over the world. Um, that's just positive in this crazy, crazy time. Um, RadioAmy.com is where you can go for... Um, access to anything the shop forward or shop espoir that's where pimp and joy is i thought i would just remind y'all about that four things with amy brown at gmail.com is my email if y'all want to send notes if you have ideas on how we can be helping people let me know i was talking to my sister last night she owns a coffee shop they're having to really cut back because they have baristas but i mean she lives in a mountain town a lot of people rely on the ski resort and then there are other jobs a lot of people in tourist type towns have multiple jobs and 
tourism there is basically it was spring break, so it should have been a booming and bumping time for them, and it's just not. So there's a real struggle there. So my sister is a business owner. She's like, shoot, how can I keep my employees on or keep them getting some sort of a paycheck? And so she's having to get creative and she's coming up with more online sales to sell her coffee. Um, She's putting together cute little bundles where you can order it. So her website is roothouseco.com. If you want to, you know, if you need coffee, maybe buy it from Root House and support that. Um, but really, I mean, I'm just giving you things that I know of in in my life, but you, this is also just an encouragement. It doesn't mean you have to go do it. It's just encouragement to look around and see how you can help in your community or where can you choose to spend your money right now that will make um, a difference for people. So uh, I don't even know. I'm all over the place, but I think trying to remain as positive as possible as we can, like... I feel like this is a time where I'm super thankful for social media. Sometimes social media gets a bad rap because it's like, well, there's just so much negativity out there. Well, yeah, there is a lot of negativity out there. But I tell you right now, for me, social media, people are sitting at home and they are getting creative and they're making funny videos and the memes are like gold. Like content creation right now is pretty impressive on social media. So that's it actually, if you're following the right people, it can be a happy place for you. But there's also, I think, appropriate times where you probably need to put down your phone and make sure that if you can get outside and go for a walk, you're going for a walk, practicing social distancing, of course. But um, if you can do a workout class from home, which some people were asking how I was working out, um, well, shout out Bobby for getting me a Peloton treadmill for Christmas over a year ago because or not this last Christmas, but than four, because that I feel super blessed to have that, but I know a lot of people don't have a treadmill in their house, but um, there's, you know, YouTube videos. I love yoga with Adrian on YouTube. Tracy Anderson has YouTube stuff uh, uploaded. I love doing both of those workouts. And then Erin Opria, my trainer, she has an app called Pretty Muscles. You could download her app. It's super cheap. And you could, you if you can't go to the gym right now, you can work out from home and her workouts are doable. They're for everybody. And um, again, that's called Pretty Muscles with Erin Opria. I'm just trying to think of random things that are popping in my head. I really had no plan when I hopped on here to record this intro to my intro. Because again, I have another intro coming up with Lisa. And you'll see that this episode is going to be very different. It's not even four things. You'll hear why when I'm talking with Lisa. But um, yeah, just focus on positivity. And that includes who you're following, what you're consuming, get a book, take a bath. Gosh, to all you moms out there that are, you know, having to play teacher right now, uh, or like it's, and probably work from home and still get your work done, moms and dads. It's crazy town, I'm sure, because we also don't know when is the end of this. I feel like when you know, okay, this is just two weeks, I can do this, but we honestly don't know. So that's super fun. My kids, will be back and they're going to start their distance learning at their school. So I think on March 24th is when spring break is officially over and distance learning will begin. And so we're just going to have to put on all the hats and do all the things and, you know, come up with fun activities and games. It really could be amazing family bonding time too. And then if you have FaceTime, make sure you're still interacting and connecting with, you know, friends and family. So you don't lose that. So you don't feel isolated or get down. Um, Maybe next week, my four things episode will be about 
you know, what to watch on Netflix, what to read, what to, what audiobooks to download. But honestly, if, what if, what if we lose power and we don't have any of that? We need to start prepping for actual real books that maybe you could read, get batteries for flashlights. And this isn't me being, I'm not freaked out by any means. I don't think it will come to that, but also let's just be responsible and rational and be a little bit prepared. Maybe you need to get some puzzles uh, and games that you can play with your family that aren't dependent upon, you know, electronics. Maybe it's a time to, to step away. I think that social media, again, really great right now, especially all the lives that people are doing. If you follow, I know in my world, the country music community, if you follow some artists on Instagram right now, they're doing live concerts from their house and it's super cool. So, you know, shout out to anybody that's, you know, using their platform to spread love and joy because music is that music is healing and it can be therapeutic. So just make sure what you're bringing in when you are online is positive. Get rid of the negative because we don't have time for that at all. And then, um, yeah, but also don't make, because we have not, because our, our days are different and our time is different. Don't get too sucked into online. You need to remember to step away from that. And still, like I I follow Annie Downs and she's a friend of mine. She's been on the podcast before and she is in legit quarantine by the health department because she was in contact with someone that tested positive for COVID-19. So, you know, she is, you know, getting up every day, doing her makeup, putting on her clothes. She has a COVID-19 bucket list. She's trying to check things off every day and be as productive and normal as possible. And I feel like that could be, really helpful. I mean, maybe some of you legit just do need a good day in bed to rest and try to process some of this. Do that, but don't get stuck there. Um, you know, get up, get going. Let's try to be as normal as possible. I think Bobby and I might start doing the radio show from our houses, which will be crazy. The Bobby Bone Show. Uh, been working on trying to get iron out all the kinks in that so that I can be at my house. He's at his house. And then I don't know if like Lunchbox and Eddie may be at the studio, but if it comes down to where our office completely shuts down, then I guess it would just be me and Bobby, but then no one would be here at the board to run the show, but we'll still be able to create content and get it out to you guys. So like Mike D would just do it from his computer at his house. I don't know y'all technology is crazy and we'll, the Bobby bone show will still be there for you. We are making sure of that. So, and because I can record, I'll still be putting out podcast content and just trying to get through this with y'all. So thank you for listening to me ramble for like, I don't know, 16, 17 minutes now. Um, I'll leave you with just another piece, another encouragement or kind of like <laughs> drilling this in that we've got to look out for other people that can't help themselves right now. So whatever that looks like for you and your community and your neighborhood and your circle, people online, e even if it's from a distance, like what can you do to spread some joy, to be pimp and joy during this time on somebody in your life, which pimp and joy is all about choosing joy for yourself. Even in this crazy time, it's about spreading joy to others any way that you can. And, um, we can do that and we can come out of this stronger. So, uh, with that said, here is my intro with Lisa that I recorded a week ago, <laughs> and I hope y'all are just, you know, having a great day as great as it can be. Okay, bye. All right, I want to tell you about something really awesome that Macy's is doing. 
It is currently Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. And Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now, online and in-store. For the entire month of May, you can join Macy's in supporting AAPI-owned fashion brands. Plus, you can help support college access and student success when you donate online or simply round up in-store to APIA scholars. Now, APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. And Macy's has made it super easy. You can just round up your purchase to the nearest dollar at checkout to support APIA Scholars, which is an educational nonprofit. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander-owned brands at Macy's.com or in-store. Again, that's Macy's.com. You're going to be doing some shopping anyway. Why not round up and give back? That's Macy's.com or in-store. All right, so I've been saving on shopping this year by only buying new clothes when I've sold some clothes that I no longer wear. And what this has done is it's forced me to be super wise when I'm adding clothes back into my closet. I want to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and that's where Quince comes into play. You can go see for yourself all the awesome stuff they have, uh, especially for summer right now, like European linen dresses and blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, 14-karat gold jewelry, so much more. And if you're like me, you're like, hmm, this just seems too good to be true. Well, what Quince does is they partner directly with top factories, and they cut out the cost of the middleman, and they pass the savings on to us So we are getting things for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. For example, I'm literally looking on their website right now at this open knit cover up maxi dress. that will be great for the summer, 100% organic cotton, and it's $49.90. It could retail for $148. So that's 66% savings. And with warm weather here, you need to check out Quince. All you got to do is go to quince.com slash Amy for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Amy. You're going to get free shipping. Again, 365 day returns. That's quince.com slash Amy. Ah, summer, the best time of the year. Usually it doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices and vacation disappears quicker than ice cream melts. But what if summer doesn't have to come with a scorching price tag? What if there's another way? With IKEA, your plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Dreamy getaways can mean the perfect reading nook right outside your window, picnic in the shade, or taking your morning coffee to meet the morning sun. Really Any meal tastes better outside. Create that summer escape for family and friends and start planning a better, more affordable summer right now. You can be the host with the most and the least worries. This summer, make your doorstep the perfect vacation destination with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Hey, it's Amy here to talk about the incredible work being done by St. Jude Children's Research Hospital and ask you today to join me in becoming a partner in hope. When you make a donation to St. Jude, you're helping an organization that has helped push the overall childhood cancer survival rate 
from 20% to more than 80%. And I can tell you from personal experience, that number and the hope that it brings is invaluable. What they are doing at St. Jude is making a huge difference. It is full of joy there, which a lot of families need at that time. They don't need to be worrying about travel, lodging, food. Everything is paid for at St. Jude so that families can focus on their child that has cancer. Your support means families never receive a bill from St. Jude. It's only $19 a month. And when you sign up, you'll get the new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. Join me in helping St. Jude in the fight against childhood cancer. Become a partner in hope at musicgives.org. That's musicgives.org. Life ain't always pretty, but hey, it's pretty beautiful thing. Laugh a little more thing. Tight, tighten up your core Said EK, you're kicking it with four things. With Amy Brown. Okay, happy Thursday. It's four things with Amy Brown, but I have Lisa here with me (laughs) at the Well Necessities. She's been on the podcast before as one of the things uh, uh, multiple times. And typically the podcast is four things. Sometimes it's four things with an interview with somebody or it's four totally random things or whatever. Right now we're going to interrupt our regularly scheduled four things uh, layout and there's not going to be four things. This is just going to be one thing. Plot twist, one thing. So as you may know from listening to the podcast, Lisa and I are working on a special series that's going to live here on four things that uh, will come out on Saturdays starting April 1st or April 2nd, the first Saturday in April, April 2nd, 3rd, 4th. Let me look at the a calendar. first week in April. It's Saturday, April 4th. If you subscribe to this podcast, Four Things with Amy Brown, it will appear on your phone magically because you already subscribed. So if you haven't subscribed, make sure you are if you would like to be in on what we're doing and you don't want to miss it. And I've told you before in the podcast, we were calling it The Gray Area. It's a podcast series about disordered eating. And we thought The Gray Area was fitting because we kind of were discussing a lot of things where people don't really know where they fall. They don't feel like they have this full-blown eating disorder situation, but they do have stuff that's going on. Or they might not know. They're silently suffering because nobody's ever said, hey, that behavior is disordered. Yes. And their thoughts of food are, you know consuming them or they're missing out on a social life because, and they might've thought, Oh, is I guess me skipping that party isn't that big of a deal. But when you really dig into why did you skip it and why are you staying home and why are you isolating yourself? Mm -hmm. When you really break it down, it could be because fear of what you may encounter at the party food wise or drink wise or whatever. So we're, Lisa is in town from New York and she's in Nashville and we're building the series in two days. So we've been working (laughs) nonstop and we had one of our guests booked um, is this woman, Catherine Defada out of Nashville. And she came up here and she's our only guest that was in person. And also it makes me wonder about how just interviews, having someone face to face definitely makes it very different. But we just wrapped our interview with her and it was longer than we planned. Like 
the, well, because we have so much going on in each episode for this series that's now called Outweigh. Yes, yeah, so I typically I, Outweigh is going to be personal stories from real people and insights from qualified experts to show you that a life without disordered eating outweighs everything and that achieving it is in fact possible. Boom. There's our long tagline. So we we had people on for Outweigh. You heard Lisa reference it as Outweigh. I think I mentioned it was going to be the gray area, but now that was t- that name was taken. Yes. So we decided to go with Outweigh. Lisa, do you want to talk about Outweigh and yeah. why you went with that? So Outweigh, I mean, I think it, it's, it stands for a lot. And the most important thing is that a life without disordered eating outweighs all the things you do and you think that are keeping you safe when you are disordered eating, or as I often say, disordered living. And the most important thing that Amy and I strive to do is to help you feel, and what we wish we had, was to feel less alone and to remove shame away from the things that we do in secret or silently so that we can begin our own healing journey. So a normal episode of Outweigh is going to include real stories from real people, experts coming on to share some tools and tips, um, interweaved with some of mine and Amy's story organically showing up. Right. And different topics we feel are important to discuss. Like we are thinking like, oh, this is something we, and we've, we're building the episodes right now, trying to make sure we match content so that it all flows and makes sense. And one of our experts was Catherine, who I mentioned, and she just left and Lisa and I are like, that was so good. What do we do with that? Because it's almost its own episode. But for the series for so long, we've and we've been working hard on building out these four episodes that we didn't feel like- are packed with different content. Packed with, yeah, a lot of different content that we were like, well, do we make it a bonus episode? And then Lisa said, how about we just make it part of your four things? And I was like, no, it doesn't work. And then like, I just wasn't fully paying attention to what you're saying. And I was like, wait a second, it's my podcast. And actually Outweigh is living on four things. So this could kind of just be a way that we introduce a really powerful conversation about this important topic of eating disorders and disordered eating. So uh, this is where we're going to put it. And so this is like Lisa and I's way of also just giving you um, a peek inside of of what's to come, but in a longer interview with this expert. And I, we didn't even know, honestly, where it was going to go. And I ended up sharing something that I didn't know for sure if I would share or how I would share it. I, I haven't shared with that many people at all. So I, um, I got into that with her and she's a therapist. So it was basically like, it's pretty huge. I felt like I just had my little therapy session. It wasn't so little. It was pretty profound. Okay. Or a more profound therapy session. And Lisa and I just hope that even if you haven't dealt with what we're going to dive into, maybe you know someone who has, or you'll learn if you do encounter somebody or how to just how we need to just interact as a society, Mm -hmm. how we need to talk to people. And we'll address a little bit of that with Catherine, but for sure in the series, it's going to come up quite a bit Um, because you never know how someone's internally struggling because on the outside, they can look one way and on the inside, there could be a lot happening. And you as a person, we don't want to feed into that. Right. And because this is a a little bit atypical of what Outweigh will look like, this still will contain information and some details about eating disorders. So we do just want to give a trigger warning, a content warning that um, 
in this episode coming up, there will be specific details shared. Please be advised that this content may not be for everybody, especially if you're currently in the throes of recovery. Mm-hmm. So please keep that in mind before moving forward to listen yeah. to what we're about to share. And I think that that'll probably, we'll share that at the beginning of of every episode in the series. Again, they'll load up on Saturdays, every Saturday in April. I think at the end of the March, end of March, you'll, you might get a trailer that shows up, mm-hmm. some fancy trailer that we're working on, <laughs> scripted. We worked on it really hard. Um, Try to get it just right so we could sound super professional. Because uh, that's us. Hi. <laughs> I'm Amy. I'm Lisa. Yeah. And then, uh, so right now, this is what Four Things is going to be today, is this one thing, this interview with uh, Catherine. But really, we hope that um, it opens that conversation, opens the dialogue, and lets you into what we we plan on uncovering yeah. uh, in that way in April. And then I think I said, you know, you may not struggle with it, uh, but you can use the tools to just like help you in life. But maybe if you know somebody else that needs to listen to this that doesn't subscribe or doesn't know who I am or Lisa is, um, you know, find an appropriate way to see if they could listen. It could be helpful. But I don't know, Lisa, what would you say for people that want to share this series with people without it coming across as offensive or Um, I think we can all better learn about other humans and what they're going through by understanding something that we might not think we relate to like when we read a fiction book we're learning about other people's experiences that we might not struggle with so I don't think even necessarily of course if you know someone struggling I think it's great to just share wow check out this amazing podcast they're talking about things I didn't know existed before or um that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if, if, if I think your question was, how can you share it with somebody who's right, struggling? Right, because I'm, I'm picturing someone being like, I'm trying to prevent someone just thinking they mean no harm uh-huh. and, you know, sending this episode or this series like, mm-hmm. hey, um, I noticed... And it's like in a, not in a very thoughtful way, right? But but meaning no harm, right, exactly. But sending it and then someone being offended, like, what are you? And then so they might it might scare them off from yeah, it for a second, or, exactly, or feel defensive. Defensive, yes, that's, yeah. So I think just you know, wow, this amazing series is coming out. They're talking about things I didn't know existed before. They're tapping into things that a lot of women and men are going through, but haven't spoken about yet. I think you'd find this really interesting. Okay, well, so here is. Uh, Something that was originally intended for the the Saturday series called that way, but we're putting it in here now because it's definitely sort of just became its own. It deserved its own space. So thank you, Catherine, for coming on. And um, if y'all have emails for us or you want to send DMs, Lisa is at the Well Necessities on Instagram, and I'm at Radio Amy. And then you can always send notes to Four Things with Amy Brown at Gmail dot. And if you like it, get hyped, share it on Instagram, use that hashtag outway, and we'll be sure to spread the love. Yeah, get screenshot for what's the hat. Um, screenshot if you're listening and post it and tag us. We love to see that. And we hope that we accomplish what we mm-hmm, need to accomplish. Which really our main goal is people for people to not feel alone yep. and to not feel shame. Yep. Which speaking of shame, that comes up in our talk with Catherine big time because yep. I realized that I was I, I'm still dealing with that. Hey, so really proud that you shared what you're about to share with everyone else. Thank you, Lisa. Um, all I right. feel the cathartic release. Oh, yes. <laughs> okay, so um, here's our talk with Catherine. And I guess, again, since this isn't the typical traditional Four Things episode, 
there's not going to be an outro. It'll just, I end. And um, I'll see you next week with four things, I promise, since I know you're all like, wait, what? (laughs) We totally just called an audible here, but we hope you enjoy it. Here's, Here's our talk with Catherine. So we've got Catherine Defada in the studio with us. So you're a guest that's actually here in person. A lot of our interviews have been over the phone just because of where people are in the country, but you're right here in Nashville with us, which is super cool. And you're a therapist here in town, but you specialize in eating disorders. I do. And so I talked about it on the podcast and you listened to Four Things with Amy Brown and you sent me a note and said that if you could be a part of it, just let you know. And we started emailing back and forth and I was like, yes, can you come into the studio and and let's record some stuff. So uh, just before we hit record, we were having an off-air conversation about eating disorder being an addiction. And when I'm trying to talk to my husband about it or when I was eating a lot and I just felt like I couldn't stop and he didn't understand, I would say, and I don't know if I was right in how I was saying it at all, but to me, it felt like, I was like, I don't know. It's like an alcoholic can't stop drinking. I was like, but you can take alcohol out of your life and survive. Like with food, I can't eliminate food from my life because you need food to survive. I just remember that being like some language I would throw out. I'm sure I heard it somewhere. <laughs> but that's, I mean, that's comparing alcoholism is seen as, as an addiction. Yeah. So one of the things that you asked me was, what's the difference between self-work and therapy with an actual therapist? And I thought about it and I actually like had a different answer. And then I was like, that's not right. The difference is the relationship and the relationship between a therapist and a client is like the number one predictor of if it's going to be successful. Like if you hate your therapist, you probably won't get a lot done. So that goes into just attachment theory and and what that means. And do you guys know what that is? No. No. Attachment theory comes from this guy. His name is John Bowlby and he was doing research in orphanages and he was noticing that like these babies that were getting everything that they needed, like shelter, food, water, they were dying or they were getting really, really sick, but there was no reason for it except they weren't being touched. So there's no touch at all, which is crazy. And what he came up was that a relationship is necessary to survive. He did a lot of research and there's a lot of stuff that I won't go into because it might be a little bit boring, but he came up with these three attachment styles, secure, anxious, avoidant. And we get those attachment styles based on the relationships we usually have with our primary caregiver. So if I have a really great loving environment and all my needs are met all the time, I'm going to have a secure attachment. But And that's the majority of people, but also I see it as on a spectrum too. The majority of people do have a secure yes. relationship? Yeah, that's what they say in the research. Yeah. But yeah. also- You're using air quotes like, I'm doing air quotes and they see. can't see. Yeah. <laughs> that's what they say. However, I think really people are on a spectrum with this. Okay. So, and then anxious attachment would be when sometimes their needs are being met, sometimes they're not. And so you don't know whether to trust or not to trust. And then avoidant is when your needs aren't really being met. And so you kind of develop this idea of like, I got to go do everything on my own. Like I got to go figure everything out on my own. Okay, I'm going to interject just a second because I do have two adopted children from Haiti and some people may know that, some people may not depending on what they've listened to. And I had not heard and described as attachment theory, Mm -hmm. but I know that my kids and I've witnessed it. They have attachment disorder. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. And the lack of stimulation Mm -hmm. that my son had, I now see how it comes out in certain times, like how Mm -hmm. he responds and reacts. And then even my daughter 
I'm just, this is just, is this even yeah. the same thing? Yes. Like the yeah, ta- yeah. Okay. So I'm just making sure we're on the same page. Cause I also want to be aware of like now that I'm what their primary caregiver, that I'm focused on whatever they're going to need from me, mm-hmm. but there's already walls built. There's already, mm-hmm. my daughter came here at 10. She's mm-hmm. 12 now, but day one from her arrival was resistance. I can handle this on my own. I don't need you. She would basically give us the Heisman anytime. I mean, it's been two years of breaking it down and we're finally getting there, but there's still testing. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't really trust you. Mm-hmm. Are you going to really love me? Mm-hmm. What about if I do this? Are you still yes. going to love me? What if I, okay, I'm going to try this out. And so my husband and I just have to remain consistent. And so, yes, I, at first when you talked about attachment theory, I was like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, but yes, I do. Then I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> I do know this. But I'm also trying to think of my childhood and how it was with that's, my yeah. that's where it parents. Me. So like, think about wow. this. You've talked about your own like issues with food and disordered eating and all of that. I have that. So think about, as I explain this, kind of where your story pops up. Also, this is going to be helpful because you're probably doing the things you need to do with your children without even knowing that you're doing them just because you're a a good caring person. So you can develop a certain attachment style. Good news is it's not static, it's fluid. So going back to just describing this and how it relates to what we were talking about in the beginning is people develop these attachments and they're all based on feeling like loved, like you belong. And so I have developed my own theory that we all are born with these two desires to be ourselves and then to have love and belonging. And throughout our lives, the desire for love and belonging becomes very, 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 very strong. And so we drop parts of ourselves or we pick parts of ourselves or pick things up that aren't really parts of ourselves to get that love and belonging. And so that's when the addiction comes in. I'll use an example from my life to explain this. So I never felt like I like really, really, really fit in to or had like a thing or was special in certain parts of my friend groups, in certain areas in my family. And so I started to do things to get me attention. I attributed that attention to love, right? I always say like any attention is good attention. So going back to what you said, what's the difference between therapy and self-work is a therapist is what we call a secure base, which helps somebody develop a secure attachment style. So somebody's going to come into my office probably not knowing that they have any of this or any kind of trauma. I'm going to be that person like you're explaining with your daughter. What if I do this? Will you still love me? What if I yell at you? Can I still come back? What if I miss a session? What if I tell you that you're wrong? What if I disagree with you? Um, What if I act out? What if I relapse in what you told me not to do? Are you still going to let me come back in? And the answer is always yes, 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 with safe boundaries. And it helps them learn that like, hey, I don't have to be a certain way. I can show up as I am and like I can find love. So when you say you were doing things to get attention, Mm -hmm. what were those things? So it depends on which part of my life. (laughs) Well, let's go ahead and talk about the eating Eating disorder. disorder. So in college, yeah, it's easy for me to talk about this now. I didn't know that this was happening. No clue, which most people don't. But I started with a diet counting calories. And again, in my family, all my siblings went and played D1 sports and I just like went to college. And so I felt like I was missing something because I didn't have anything that my parents would really brag that much about. No fault to them. My parents are great. And so I went on this diet, started losing all this weight. I was getting tons of attention, like tons. You look so good. This, this, whatever guys like started talking to me more. And so I attribute that to that of like, okay, now I fit in, now I belong. Belonging is love. I'm good. And then I became a shell of a human. 
tap into that a little bit more. What were you feeling at that time? Like what? I mean, first you're on a high. What does it mean to be a shell? Because you're certainly not a shell today. You come in with vibrance and you're radiant. Yes. Yeah. Um, So just so that people, because really we're doing this so people don't feel alone. And I feel like with each person that's sharing part of their real story, which you just did, somebody's relating and they're like, Mm -hmm. wait, tell me more. Yeah. I would say people would always describe me as like loud and bubbly and like fun. I'm a seven on the Enneagram. Yeah. So that, which I didn't know what the Enneagram was back then. So that's who I always was. So when I started restricting my food, I ended up restricting every single part of my life because I couldn't go to that party because what if I drank alcohol and there's calories in alcohol? And then what if I got drunk and then I wanted to eat something and I ate something I shouldn't eat? That crippled me. Or I can't go to that that restaurant because I can't eat anything there. Then people are going to ask me like, why aren't you eating? And I'm going to have to come up with some excuse. Or I can't go to that thing at night because I have to get up and work out at 6 a.m. and I need my energy. And so I started cutting things out of my life. I remember, so this started my junior year of college. That summer, junior to senior year, I like never left my parents' house when I came home. And I never saw any of my friends from high school, which we were always very close. I remember I did one thing. I went to my best friend from high school's birthday party and then started at her house and they all went out. I think it might've been her 21st birthday. And I went home after her house. Everybody else went out and I went home because I was like, I can't do that. So the thing that got me all this attention all of a sudden, then I was like, what's the point of the attention? Because I'm not letting myself engage with anybody. And then I came back that next year, my senior year, and I didn't do anything. I I was in a sorority. I would skip some of our date parties or I would go. I remember... One time, I also like was really into school. But I like went to a party. It was a swap, so it's one that you would like dress up at, like and wear a costume. And I like loved doing that. And I like took my note cards to the bar and like studied right. for my test. You just like withdrew and lost yeah. interest in all the things that you love to do. Mm-hmm. My friends did not love that. So that's a part where mm-hmm. that's just part of your story mm-hmm. of what you did to get attention to feel belonging. But then you realize like it's kind of like it goes up, 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 and it's like this is where I'm getting belonging and love. And then all of a sudden you just, it's like we just, it, I think it happened to all of us. And you crash and burn because you realize you have nothing around you. And what is this for? Yeah. So then what do you do? Well, and I love looking back at this because I don't know y'all's experiences, but from my experience, I had no clue that I was struggling. So like not a clue. I thought I was like on top of the world. Like this actually makes you want to cry. But my senior year, I thought that I was killing it. Like I'd gotten into all these graduate programs. I was like going to go do all these things. And looking back, like another thing I did that I have so much grief over is I skipped my last date party ever to come back to Nashville and run the half marathon. I can run that marathon whenever I want. I can never go back and have my last party with my best friends. I did not know that. I, I still was like, yeah, I'd rather go run this marathon. This is my lifestyle. I'm healthy. I don't like to drink. Mm-hmm. Almost like this grandiose sense of self. Mm-hmm. The but healthy yes. high That horse. was yes. so us. Yeah. Yes. Coming up for yeah. Oh my gosh. All and this, I yeah. probably was. more judgy. I was a brat. Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> like a probably bee? because. Yeah. yeah because Me I would too. judge what people are eating. You're going to eat that. And I'm like, in my head, I wish I could eat that. Like, I wish I could eat that. But I have eating disorders. We talk a lot about how you have so much control. I had no control. None. Right. Well, it was like, not like I could eat that. Like, wow, look at me. I have so much willpower for not eating that. Yeah. But I don't really think I did have willpower because if I had willpower, I would eat a donut. But that's what people would say to me. I'm like, I wish I could be like Catherine. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you don't want to be like me. Yeah. 
I know, because they don't really know the struggle. That's yeah. why it's important, and we'll reiterate it now since it's kind of coming up. That's why it's important. You never know what's going on inside someone's body. Yeah. You might think it's all, they've got it all figured out and their life is together. And then you can reinforce their behavior by complimenting something about their body. And then that keeps them on that hamster mm-hmm. wheel and really you have no idea you contributed to the problem just by giving a compliment. We've been trying to just get it into people and even myself over and over to stop complimenting on people's bodies. There's so many other things that we could probably compliment that like do that's not necessary. Can I tell a story real quick? So this is why I started to look at before I really got into being like a eating disorder therapist. This is like, I have shame about this now, but again, I'm trying to not have that. I went to grad school. I went to Vanderbilt in Nashville and thinking I was going to be eating disorder therapist. And guess what I wanted to specialize in? I wanted to work with specifically binge eating disorder and help them lose weight, which is not how you do. That's not. Well, okay. I could understand not understanding. Not understanding. Yes. Now yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh. Maybe explain why though that, that wouldn't doesn't be. Yeah. That may not. Go hand in hand. Yeah. Because okay. I know more of that because I've been doing, I've been working alongside people like yeah. he says where y'all understand why that would be bad, but someone else might not get why that's right. probably not like the best thing. So it's not about the weight. And so with binge eating disorder, there's something else going on. And if I help them lose weight, their issues aren't going away. Like the reason that they're binging, which would be the reason why any of us do a behavior that we would classify as an addiction. It's not about the alcohol. It's not about the food. It's not about any of that. It's about what's underneath of it. And so, yeah, it might be a side effect that if these people do the work and I help them through whatever it is that they're trying to work through, they might lose weight, but that's not the goal. Because if I just take the weight away, everything else is still there. And most people that are in it don't see it as a underlying problem. Like they see it as either a binge problem, I can't stop when I eat, or they see it as a weight problem, I'm overweight because I eat, Mm -hmm. not going any deeper into why. Do you think that there's anything to the the binging and it being like in the brain? We've touched on brain over binge. But there's there's obviously with what you're saying with the addiction at all coming back to attachment and love, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So it's like all goes back to some of that mm-hmm. in a way. But for me, I mean, I know that I had issues with my dad leaving when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that I also was introduced to dieting at an extremely young age. And I know when I started dieting and then that led to restriction and binging. But I didn't really realize I was binging at the time. Because right. I didn't know really, I mean, it's in high school. But then I knew I would overeat, so then I would purge. But it wasn't all of the time, but I knew that it was wrong. Even so that I went to my mom and said, I need help. I'm throwing up and I don't know where this came from or why, but I I need help with this. So then she got me into therapy and then that led to therapy all through high school and college. But it was always just focused on my dad having left. Mm -hmm. Nothing ever resonated with me. And then I quit throwing up for years but what I realized in there is I was still binging the whole time but again I knew that was not right because I was like I just went to literally like four different fast food restaurants in like one stop like that's not normal Mm -hmm. so or if I was on a road trip somewhere I would stop at like multiple gas stations and like just eat the entire two hours if that was my drive from Austin to College Station Mm -hmm. which is where I went to Texas A&M so I remember a lot of those road trips was I ate the entire time 
whether it was a gas station, Sonic, like I had different stops and I would just go through and be like, okay. And then the next day I would just do slim fast or something, but it never, I was still in therapy at that point, but it never was getting anywhere other than somehow I just stopped the throwing up and it was gone, but I kept the binging. And then when I read brain over binge, I've been telling Lisa, like it just made sense to me. Mm -hmm. She talks about rewiring your brain and that you just go to a binge and you have to start denying the binges because I started restricting at such a young age. It trained my brain that I it didn't know when I was going to get food again. So it kept forcing me to overeat and then I would binge. And so I started implementing that over, over a year ago and that worked for me. And that was the first thing where it really made sense. Now I'm sure there's underlying issues with yeah. what's going on, but I do want to talk to you about how that worked for me but about five years ago when my mom died, even though I had not purged in 12 years, I had binged, but not purged. The day after my mom died, I ate dinner and then I had to go throw it up. Mm-hmm. And I literally, and it was not an easy thing. Yeah. It was my sister's birthday the day after my mom died and her in-laws decided to get a food truck. And we had, I mean, otherwise, I mean, there's food at the house everywhere, but we just were not eating. But then it was like my sister's birthday. So I felt like I had to eat from the food truck and I had to eat the cake. So I ate it. And then something about me, literally, and there were so many people at my sister's house. I went over to a neighbor's guest house and I threw up in their bathroom. Mm. (laughs) Like it wasn't easy for me to like make this happen. But somehow I I was desperate to get that food out of my body. And I hadn't even overeaten. But, and that started it. Again, just like that, it was back. Mm. And I probably... It was a daily thing. Then it was like every other day. Then it was like, and Isn't now it sound now that you know you brought up that it's eating disorders can be addictions. It sounds like an alcoholic returning to alcohol. Yes, where all of a sudden you need that whatever, and you go and find it, and then okay, I'll just do it this one time, and then you slowly kind of trickle back into mm-hmm. the same thing. Okay, but I don't even know that I was that. like I felt like it was an out of body experience when I was oh. doing. It. I don't oh, think yeah. I had the rational rationale to be like okay, it's just going to be this one time. I was just like I did it, and then I was like, what was that? And I was so freaked out by it that just like I went to my mom in high school, I went to my husband almost immediately, and I'm like, here's the deal. Okay you've been married to me and I haven't thrown up our entire marriage. So you don't know this side of me, but now I'm terrified and it's here. And I feel like an alcoholic that has just lost their chip. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what I said to him. And he was like, okay, well, we can do this. Like whatever you need. And I would say there was a lot of times where after, I mean, he would come home and he'd be like, how was your day? And I would be like, even a year after my mom died or two years, Mm -hmm. there would still be discussions. How was your day? I'd say my day was fine, except for I threw up. Mm-hmm. You know, and I would be able, I'm thankful for a relationship where I could be honest with him about that, but I still was so perplexed why it was happening. And now I've been over a year That's without awesome. anything, binges or purges. Mm-hmm. So I feel that, but I have to share with you a revelation I had with Lisa, but I don't even know if it makes sense. And since you're a therapist, <laughs> I'm going to take advantage. Okay. Do I need to pay you for the hour? Yeah. <laughs> I, I told Lisa, I said, it just didn't, I went to therapy. Obviously I did EMDR after my mom died because it's very traumatic for me. She did not die. It was not easy. She had cancer. I saw a lot that I, I shouldn't see mm-hmm. and laid with her in her final breath. Me and my sister both. And then, I don't know if this is healthy or not, but we probably laid with her for about an hour after that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the corner people were like, uh, we're here. Time to load her up. And we're like, we're not done yet. So, you know, it, whatever that looks like for you, mm-hmm. it, that's what we needed. But we definitely, my sister and I both saw 
a lot and it was traumatic. And then, you know, here I am the next day throwing up the food and I'm not knowing why. And I'm telling this to my therapist and she's like, well, that's trauma. And the last trauma you had in your life was when your dad left. And that was when your younger eating disorder kind of started. I'm like, well, not exactly. But I just couldn't wrap my head around the fact that like that would just make me do it. But then I had this thought because I think something Lisa talked about or somebody talked about that like I really felt because I was grieving and this also could be related to attention since you said that. Mm -hmm. And this is just me having to get completely honest and almost like embarrassed that like what? Because it's not like it was a very conscious thought out decision like mm-hmm. oh I need attention so this is what I'm gonna do yeah. this is almost like five years later I'm just having to look back and be like oh yuck was that really what this was because what makes sense to me now is that I felt like I was grieving and if you're grieving you're supposed to lose weight if you're grieving you're not supposed to have food because you're sad and sad people don't eat and sad people get skinny and if I get skinny I get attention which is exactly what happened. I mean, there was not a single person in my life that did not comment on my body like about a month after my mom died because I did get very thin and I would weigh myself every single day. Mm -hmm. I would drink juice in the morning, purge, whatever. I would do yoga twice a day. Also, I was trying to keep busy to not think about my mom. I would do wine and Xanax for bed so it would knock me out and I wouldn't think about food. And I would, but nobody knew this was happening to me. But I would still come to work the next day and someone from would be visiting from, you know, another city that hadn't seen me in a while and be like, oh my gosh, Amy, you look so good. And then I'd be like, thank you. And then, but I'd be like, yes, I'm grieving. I'm doing a good job grieving. I'm doing a good job grieving because I lost my mom and I need you to recognize that I'm sad. My skinny represents my sadness and that gives me attention. Yeah. It sounds very twisted and messed up to say out loud. I I feel that makes more sense to me than when the therapist told me she thought like a trauma capsule opened in my head. And because that's how I dealt with my dad leaving, that's immediately the route my my brain was going to go to deal with losing my mom. And I just don't know that that makes sense to me. Thank you for sharing that. I think it your therapist could be right. There, part of it could be. This is the thing with therapy and like men. There's no just like one way. So that's why I mean, eating disorders and addiction in general is hard because I can't just say it's every time because of this. A lot of times it's because of this. There could have been the trauma part, but I think what you're talking about is probably attached to your trauma of not getting the attention and the love and the belonging from your dad. And then now this is like your mom, like your secure base, right? Mm-hmm. Your person. Mm-hmm. And then she's gone. And then like, who's my person? And who's going to recognize or who's going to know what I need or who's going to, all of that comes up of like, you lost your secure base. So what do I do? You're sad, right? Part of it is I hear you saying like, I want people to see my sadness. I think part of it also is like, I don't want to feel sad either. And so what can I do to shove down all of these feelings? Because it feels good when I'm doing this. Mm -hmm. It's twisted as it is. Like it feels good to purge. It feels good to go on a run for two hours. It feels for a period of time. to even just binge. It feels good to binge. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Until it doesn't. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Until it doesn't. And at the beginning, yes, it was like this high and this ride and until mm-hmm. it got messy and it was just exhausting and it was like I can't keep up or if I would try to throw up and it didn't work and I was like yeah. oh my gosh I just ate all that food like Can I and it's you, not coming up like it was just tell me about like the embarrassment of like 
this is so messed up. I feel embarrassed that this is what I did. I think because I could be wrong on this, but if we're, for the sake of our conversation of viewing uh, eating disorder as an addiction and alcohol's addiction, I feel like, for lack of a better word, being addicted to cocaine or alcohol is a little more sexy. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's the right word. For the sake of this, I'm just going to say, binging a bunch of food Mm -hmm. and then throwing it up for whatever the reason is, is disgusting. To me, I'm never, I don't look at, and it could just be me thinking that about myself. I'm not saying that about anybody else. I'm saying it literally about myself. I'm sure there's shame associated with anything that you're addicted to, but I feel like, oh gosh, if I was addicted to cocaine, nobody would be like, oh, you're disgusting. They'd be like, oh, wow, she, that's crazy. She needs to get some help. Yeah. But I'm like, if they knew what I was addicted to and that I was doing this, they'd be like, she's so disgusting. So that's my own thought process is it's not and as... You putting it out here right now on this is breaking down that factor of shame. And I think like even on Instagram, like anxiety became so popular to talk about, but like depression was in the cloud of like this shit thing you can't talk about. And I recently talked about something that I never said either, which was laxative abuse and flooded with messages, not comments on my private, on my public Instagram page, private messages of me too. So there is something super secretive still about the purging, whether it is up or down, that people are still not acknowledging, but you right here saying it is showing that there is no disgust to it. There is no shame, especially you as Amy Brown. Right, because yeah. I wouldn't want anybody else sharing. To f- I would say that same thing to them. I'm but just, we're breaking it down. We're you bra- just broke it down yeah. for so, so many people. I'm becoming more vocal about my story. I think that on the radio years ago, it maybe come up that I had dealt with an eating disorder mm-hmm. in high school and college. It was kind of like, I could relate on that level. Never would talk about the issues with food or binging or obsession, food obsession Mm -hmm. for all these years. That just doesn't come up organically. Mm -hmm. Then after the stuff with my mom, oh my gosh, I kept, I mean, I told my husband about it, but I was very private about it. Like very until now recently, I feel like I'm in a better place and I don't want people to feel alone and I need to start, sharing that part of my story. So a lot of things I haven't said out loud yet, like what I just shared, I haven't fully said out loud in the whole, in its entirety. And so, and as I don't even, I'm still probably feel? not all yeah. giving it all. I feel good. I mean, I feel like I've been like, there's a couple of times where I'm like, okay, smiling inside because it does feel good. There's a little bit of a high from it. But also I was at a low where I was taken back to it and I was very sad for myself and I was about to cry, but trying to keep it together for the sake of the being one of the hosts here. (laughs) But in crying is okay. I have no issue crying on air. Done that plenty of times. So I'm I'm sad for that, that part of me. I want to tell you a story. Okay. One, I have to say this because this is huge. This is a side note, but when people talk about this stuff, I mean, what you were saying, it is huge because, yeah, people will talk about anorexia and restricting Uh and my exercise addiction. They won't talk about the other stuff and it's not any better at all. And what you're talking about is shame. I feel ashamed for what I did and what shame feeds off of is your silence and secrets. Mm-hmm. And so when we talk about it more, the shame get, kind of gets, you starve the shame. So the shame dies. That's so true. And so that's a big deal because I'm sure there's 1 million, bajillion, trillion people that are going to hear that and be like, oh my gosh, I felt that way too. Is it okay for me to talk about this? 
I think I'm going to try it. The other part is, this is the story I was going to tell 15 minutes ago, but I'm glad I'm telling it now because there's this doctor, his name is Dr. Gabor Mate, and he does a lot of research and stuff around addiction. He was working with heroin addicts and he was trying to figure out, he was working in a center where harm reduction, so it's like, we're not going to, you're not going to get sober, we're going to teach you how to responsibly use Mm -hmm. but he was going around and interviewing these men and women of like why are you why do you use heroin we know that's bad we know that can kill you and he went to this one guy and he described him the way i remember him describing him is as this like almost like he would look like a big bouncer at like a club with like bald head big guy tattoos like tough and he said can you tell me what heroin does for you like why do you use it and he said i don't really know how to describe it but have you ever been sick and your mom puts you on her lap and she wraps you up in a blanket and she starts feeding you chicken noodle soup? He was like, that's what heroin feels like. So this guy concluded, oh, love. Like that's what heroin feels like, love. It feels like a warm Safety. hug. Mm-hmm. And so I tell that story because like there is so much shame and like, why do I do these things that are so bad? And I'm like, what, what's wrong with me is what I hear all the time. Like, Catherine, what is wrong with me? And I'm like, nothing is wrong with you. There's actually something right with you. Like, Amy, there is something right with you. The fact that you're like, I, there's something wrong with me. I want to feel better. I need to go do this thing that I know that used to help me feel better. That means that there's something right with you that you are trying to find. Like, we all need attention. We all need love. We all need belonging. We are born attached to our mothers. Like, we need attachment. We're born that way. And so I just say that because I think a lot of people think to themselves, like, what is wrong with me? Like, why can't I stop? It's like, because you're a healthy human that wants to get better. And thank God that you did that rather than like just being like, take me away, life. Like, yeah, and you turn to your husband too, which is yeah. like telling, I think, I mean, I'm not yeah. this, but no. like, that's your secure attachment now. Can you say yeah. that? Can you have yeah. a secure attachment? With, and it can, be any, it can be anybody. Yeah. That's your secure attachment. So it's like, help me. Well, thank you for letting me talk through that. Yeah. That I session. I feel like we just made a lot of clarity that it, we needed. Yeah. I didn't know where where we would go with that for sure but I think that this is how do you feel Lisa do you have anything you want to add from your I think that the audience will feel like I did where we might not have your exact story or maybe you do there's plenty of people who have have purged for that exact reason but I feel like I've made headway in my understanding of myself (laughs) far beyond my even years in therapy just Mm -hmm. by understanding the importance of secure attachment and personally not having that growing up either Mm -hmm. despite what it looked like yeah um, and how we go about seeking attention because we're mm. scared. Not We don't feel safe. And there's a million ways to do that. But for a large majority of us, with the addition of the emphasis on thin equals loved equals health equals applause, mm-hmm. it's an easy one kind of right next to it. So what do you do with your clients? Mm-hmm. What is something we can, can leave as like, is there like an act? Activity or uh, like affirmations or something you encourage them to do that those are that are listening that might be some of the stuff we've talked about today is resonating with them like yeah. is there like some stuff they can like a piece of homework or something my gut just says if this is really resonating with somebody I want them to reach out and go to therapy that could be great yeah. advice <laughs> that might be and it because some people see that there's shame in therapy and mm-hmm. we should make sure that we're here to say that there's not yeah, there is 100%. nothing wrong with that at all whatsoever and something that you say on your Instagram all the time that I am not a therapist but I've been Mm -hmm. 
been in therapy my whole life is <laughs> there doesn't have to be, have to be something wrong, wrong with you to go to therapy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So even if you don't identify with the purging or even an eating disorder and you're just listening to this, I mean, I have found that my most profoundly huge steps forward in mm-hmm. therapy have been on days where I didn't come discussing a trauma mm-hmm. or anything relevant to my life. I think it's just a tool to better get to know your total being. And that is profoundly huge in how it will affect everything in your life. What about a piece of homework for people um, that you had said earlier is, you know, which so second nature for us to comment on somebody's body. What are some things that people can maybe for the next week work on? I believe in like human connection. I think Mm -hmm. the more we talk to people and out loud, the more connected we feel like being in an Uber even. And Mm -hmm. it's so easy to just be on your phone the whole time, but even interacting with an Uber driver or taxi driver. I live in the city. What are ways that people can compliment people this week that are non-appearance based? Yeah. How can we push them to talk to people and say things that they, what are some, some things we can say to start conversation with strangers or loved ones? You know what I, I want to come back? This actually comes from your last week's episode. Um, what did Kelsey say about if you think it and it's nice, say it? Oh, if it's mm-hmm. kind, say it's it. It's kind, say it. So just to clarify, since this is a completely, this is a different series, but, and it's airing in April, but I do have, I had an interview back in March with Kelsey Ballerini on Mm -hmm. the four things podcast. So you're referencing something that's who said it just so that we were just talking about empowering women. And Kelsey was just saying, you know, one thing I've learned is if it's kind, say it, like Mm -hmm. who cares if you know the person or if you don't know them, if it's Mm -hmm. kind, if you think it, if you think it and it's kind, say Say it. it. That's exactly what she said. So I would say that with a caveat, if it's about the shape of their body. So, um, because again, you never know if that is a point of contention for somebody. But I, one of the things that I've worked on, because I actually am like a introverted extrovert, which doesn't make a lot of sense. I think um, I am too. Okay. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Okay. We all are. But like, I sometimes don't, I like go into a place and I'll like think all of these things about, I won't ever say anything because I'll just kind of keep to myself and wait for somebody to approach me. But I think something that we can work on is like when we see somebody and if we're just happy to see somebody say, it's good to see you. Like I've missed you means a lot to me. Or rather than being like, oh my God, girl, you look so good. You look so happy. I think that a lot of the time when we do compliment somebody's weight or body change, it's because we've become so that's, this is an okay thing to say to somebody that you might not even know. Mm-hmm. And so you might actually be thinking this person looks happy. Yeah. But it's a weird thing to say, hey, girl, you look happy. So let me say, did you lose weight? Like, I think that yeah. we actually are seeing, Amy, again, going back to the radiance in people. But it might feel strange to say you look radiant because it's not a, a normal mm-hmm. exchange. Like, you look good, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. So I think diving into your psyche yeah. of, okay, maybe you think this person looks good. That's the first thing. Why do they look good? What are they, they giving off? They're fitting the standards of what yeah. society tells us looks good. Because yeah. if society didn't say that, like, what would we think? Like, I always say we are the decider of our own opinions. So we get to actually decide that, like, which a lot of people would be like, yeah, duh. But then I'm like, well, do you think that because the person next to you thinks that? Or do you think that because you really think that about yourself mm-hmm. or about other people? And I use the example of, if I pulled out a peanut butter sandwich and started eating it and you were like, ew, peanut butter. But I'd be like, I don't like it anymore either. <laughs> it's the same thing as like, if somebody's like, I don't like your shirt. Like, yeah. well, I, you're allowed to still like it. If somebody thinks that you look whatever, you can still think you look good. If society says that you are not. Right, what- we need to stop questioning ourselves yeah. based off of others' opinions, yeah. whether it's as profound as your body or insignificant as your shirt. Right. Or peanut butter sandwich. Or peanut butter. 
Catherine, thank you for coming to talk with us. If you think it and it's kind, (laughs) say it, which comes from both Catherine and... It doesn't come from me. I can't take credit. Yeah, Kelsey Kelsey said it, but I don't know if she said it. She got it from somewhere. I always say make it easy to be kind to yourself. So going along with that is like, make it easy to be kind to other people too. Like Mm -hmm. all you have to do is go up to somebody and say, hi, how are you? And you can start a conversation that could make somebody's day. Exchanging a smile every now and then. Yeah. Yeah. People may not remember what you say, but they remember how you make them feel. Mm. Amen. Good one. Mm -hmm. Okay. Catherine, let's throw out your Instagram. Yeah. So people can follow you. Can you say it real quick? Yeah. It's at three chords therapy. So three is spelled like the word. (laughs) T-H-R-E. Yeah. And then my website is threechordstherapy.com too. Perfect. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, thank you so much for taking time to talk with us. Thank you. It was fun. Life ain't always pretty, but hey, it's pretty beautiful, thing. Laugh a little more, thing. Tight, tighten up your core, thing. Said EK, you're kicking it with four things. With Amy Brown. All summer, the best time of the year usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there was another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. At IKEA, everyone can have lounge chair access. No reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, they have all of the essentials that you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. All right, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can really make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through things. Now, BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. BetterHelp.com. In every pair of Tacoba's boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. Tacoba's boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they're going to last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tacova store, where you're going to be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. So come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. Visit tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And don't go gently, y'all. Hey, it's Amy here to talk about St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. For 60 years, St. Jude doctors and researchers have helped push the overall childhood cancer survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. And we need your help getting that number to 100%. And most important, your support means that families never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, or food. That peace of mind means so, so much for these families. So join me in helping St. Jude in this fight. Become a partner in hope at musicgives.org. That's musicgives.org.